The numbers are in for quarterback Daniel Jones's contract. We're going to break all that down. Plus, we're going to take a look at some other salary cap related matters for the New York Giants. That plus some listener questions coming up on today's Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trainer. Happy to have you with us on this Thursday. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. All right. On today's show, the numbers are in for Daniel Jones. Now, as I mentioned on the live stream yesterday with the with Tana, um, I did do an article on this on Giants Country, but I'm going to try and talk through some of these numbers, make sense of this for you as best as I can. So it's not really a complicated contract. It is a creative contract. The Giants did do um, a lot of creative vehicles, a lot of which I predicted they would include into uh, the contract. So I'm going to try and break it down for you as best as I can. Now, for reference purposes, Pro Football Talk has these details and there's 10 points and then there's a couple of points about the incentives. So I'm going to try and make sense of all this. Um, there's also an article on Giants Country that I did, like I said, um, where I have the, the table and some takeaways for this. So if you want to check all that, I'll link that in the show notes if you want to follow along with what I'm, I'm talking about. All right, just first, some overall thoughts about the contract. Jones came out ahead of on the first two years of the deal by about 11 million more than if he were to play on the franchise tags this year and next year. All right. So using over the caps franchise tag projections, that total would have come to about 74.184 million for if Jones was tagged and played on the tag this year and next year. Instead, he's going to collect 82 million over the deal's first two years. At no point in this contract, is Jones going to count for more than 17.6%, I'm sorry, 18.3% of the total cap for the Giants, that being in 2026. And that's assuming he even sees the final year of that deal. More on that coming up. So basically his cap percentage this year is 8.3. Next year it goes up to 17.6. Then it drops to 14.0 and then 18.3 in 2026. His cap numbers, all right, the first year is going to be uh, $19 million. Year two, $40 million, uh, I'm sorry, $45 million. Year three, in 2025, $39.5 million. And then in 2026, that jumps up to $56.5 million. The signing bonus that he got, $36 million. So prorate that over four years, that comes out to $9 million per year. There is one roster bonus in this deal that in 2026, he's got workout bonuses of $500,000 in each year of the deal. Interestingly, the first two years of the deal, the workout bonuses are fully guaranteed. 
So I mentioned that this contract has some creative mechanisms in it. That's one of them. So to get guaranteed money into Daniel's hands, rather than give him a, you know, a roster bonus, which would have really inflated numbers, they guaranteed him the, the workout bonus for 2023 and 2024. All right. So altogether, the contract is worth $160 million, but there's opportunities to earn incentives, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But first, let me just continue breaking down the key points here. The Giants would say $21 million if they moved on from, from Jones after 2024. And they would only have to eat $18 million in dead money if he is a standard June 1st, uh, pre-June 1st, I should say, transaction. All right. So this deal is technically a two-year deal, which is not bad. Now, if Daniel gets hurt, it becomes a three-year deal, which I'll explain in just a moment. But it's a two-year deal. Um, they can get out of it after two years and, and you know, move on or resign him if he's, you know, outplays the contract. But uh, if there's, there is a, um, a a clause in the third year of the deal. All right. So in the third year of the deal, um, there is a, a clause where 23 million, um, let me see, I think it's 23 million. There is a clause in the contract. The 2025 base salary is 30 million. Of that, $23 million was guaranteed for injury at signing. So what that means is that when Daniel Jones signed this contract, he was guaranteed $23 million of his $30 million base salary in 2025 if he starts the year injured. All right. So we know about Daniel's injury history. The Giants said, okay, Daniel, if, God forbid, you finish 2024 with an injury, and you're not ready to go, or you you, you know you're injured. You suffered a, a football injury. We'll give you 23 million. So it's kind of an incentive in a way to for him to stay healthy. Um, you know, so that's why this deal could potentially be a three year deal instead of a two year deal. So if the Giants cut him, you know, he doesn't collect that. If he's injured, then I think it it, it they kind of have to bring him back. So. Um, if the Giants move on from him after two years, they don't have to pay out the $23 million. Now, if Daniel is still on the roster in 2025, the the, uh, the um, first day of the league year, he gets the full amount guaranteed. So there is that possibility that the full amount will be guaranteed. So, you know, that's off in the distance now. The first two years is really what you got to worry about and what you got to look at. Now, Overall, you could say that this deal is really three years, 112.5 million, which comes to an average of 37.5 million, right about where I thought he would fall into. So the Giants basically got what they wanted out of Daniel Jones in terms of what APY he, they were looking to get him at. Even though you know the total value comes to about 40 million, that's for the entire deal. This is why it's so important to look at the the little nuances and how the deal is structured because the inflated numbers, they they just never tell the whole story. All right. Now, there are some incentives in this deal. So I'm going to explain what those incentives are coming up in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. 
Hey, Giant fans, the NFL season might be over, but the NBA season is in full swing. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook app, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 if their first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to the spread and more. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trana, and we're trying to make sense of the numbers in Daniel Jones's contract. They're really not that difficult, but uh, for those of you listening or watching this podcast, I do recommend you reference that the, the two articles that I linked in the show notes, one of which goes to Pro Football Talk, which had the details first on the numbers, and one of which that I wrote for Giants Country, in which I go into a little bit more detail. So that will help you kind of make sense of what I'm trying to explain to you here. I know sometimes it'd be hard without actually seeing the numbers and not having the one-on-one interaction to ask questions, but I'm doing the best I can for you folks, like I always do. So, all right, let's talk about the incentives now for Daniel Jones's contract. There's a total of 70 million in available incentives with a max payout of $35 million. All right, so what does that mean? Well, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago when I did my salary cap show, I spoke about likely to be earned incentives and not likely to be earned incentives. From what I could tell, this contract has a little bit of both, which is what I anticipated. Now, as a refresher, a likely to be earned incentive is basically something that the player did the year prior. So for example, If one of the incentives is to win one playoff game, well, Daniel did that in 2022. So that becomes a likely to be earned incentive because he did it. If the, there is an incentive to win two playoff games, that becomes a not likely to be earned incentive because Daniel didn't do that in 2022. So the, it's interesting because um, there was, there's a clause in this contract that if Jones performs in 2023, as he did in 2022, he will earn another 1.75 million in 2023 in incentives and another 1.75 million in 2024 escalators. So what does that mean? Basically, those are likely to be earned incentives as well as a, a escalator. All right. So Basically, if Daniel Jones matches the numbers that he put up in 2022, you know, for the 2023 season, he's going to get another 1.75 million in incentives that are going to count against the 2023 cap. He'll get another 1.75 million in escalators for 2024, which means his base salary is going to jump up by 1.75 million. So it's it's a not likely to be earned incentive. In a way, because to say, you know, Daniel didn't match the numbers in 2022 that he had in 2021. They were better numbers. It's kind of weird. It's it, it's tricky, but um, the escalator is kind of like a, a reward or a, re- a raise, if you will, for performing well. Okay, so what now um, about the incentives? Well, he can earn 
1 million in incentives and 1 million in escalators for each year that he is a top 15 quarterback. And I'll tell you what constitutes top 15 in just a moment. Um, There is also clauses in which he can earn 1.5 million in incentives and another 1.5 million in escalators if he is a top 10 quarterback. And he can earn even more, 1.5 million of incentives and 1.5 million in escalators if he is a top five quarterback. So that is a total of 4 million in incentives and 4 million in escalators. The escalators take place the following year, again, because you won't know until the end of the year. So they're not going to deduct it from the current year's cap until they know at the end of the year if he qualified. If he doesn't qualify, then that money doesn't get deducted from the Giants cap the following year. All right. So what incentives are we talking about? Okay. If we go to the CBA, and I believe this is Article 13, and if you want to look this up, I'll put a link to the CBA as well. This is on page 116 of the CBA. There are team incentives. Exhibit A is team incentives. So exhibit B is what we want to look at. It's actually page 117. I misspoke. So individual incentives that are recognized for contracts include passer rating based on 224 attempts, completion percentage based on 224 attempts, interception percentage based on 224 attempts, total passing yards, yards per pass play, again, based on 224 attempts, and touchdown passes. Now, I don't know what specifically the Giants put in the contract as far as what constitutes in their mind top 15, top 5, top 10. It could be all of these. It could be a combination. It could just be a few selected ones. Usually, from what I understand, they go with passing yards. But the Giants might have thrown in and said, you know, hey, you did uh, 15 touchdowns last year. We think you could do 20, you know, so, so aim for that. I don't know what the, what the total is, but um, those are the criteria, the individual incentives that a quarterback would qualify. So what that combination is, again, I, I haven't seen the exact contract, but that's something that, you know, will factor into the equation here. All right. What else do we need to know about Daniel Jones's contract? Here's the thing. I think this is the thinking here by general manager, Joe Shane. He was asked if he thought the Giants could win a Super Bowl with Daniel. And he said, yes, naturally. What what was he going to say? No. But to me, this contract still suggests that there might be some trepidation on the part of the Giants because there are some creative mechanisms in here. It is heavily uh, loaded with some incentives. There is the escape hatch after two years. To me, this contract doesn't exactly screen long-term franchise quarterback. And it shouldn't because Daniel Jones, you know, as well as he played in 2023, this team still needs to figure out if that was the exception or is that the rule moving forward? Hopefully it is the rule moving forward because, you know, for the Giants to have to start over again with a new quarterback, that could be a little dicey. So the Giants set this up to where they do have that escape hatch, to where they're not paying, you know, an arm and a leg for a quarterback that looks like he could be the answer, but 
maybe there's a little doubt, you know, can he continue progressing? Now, everybody is going to be optimistic. Nobody in the Giants organization is going to say, oh, gosh, you know, Daniel, we don't know if he's going to continue to progress or not. The important thing to keep take away here, folks, is that the Giants didn't go crazy and get excited over one good year from their quarterback. And they shouldn't have. They did have to give up a little bit. I think the Giants probably paid a little bit more average per year than they wanted to. There was some give, give and take. But in the end, I really like this contract for Daniel Jones. It's not a, a, a killer on the cap. It's not going to choke them. Um, you know, a lot of it, Daniel's got to do the heavy lifting. So I think overall, we have to feel pretty good about the numbers that they came up with. And I know some of you out there still are like, why did they sign him? They should have moved on. Folks, let's see what he does in year two of this, this offense with better receivers, with a more stable offensive line, you know, with having Saquon Barkley back, with having Mike Kafka back. Let's see if he can take that next step. If he can't, then, you know, it becomes obvious that he had, that they have to move on from him. If he can, then guess what? They have solved their quarterback situation for the years to, to come. So overall, like this contract, folks. I really do. All right. Before I get to the next section, next section, I want to answer some of your questions. I did want to touch a little bit on some other things that uh, are cap related, not related so much to um, to uh, Daniel Jones, but are cap related. And I mentioned Joe Shane spoke to the media yesterday to kind of give us a little behind the scenes look at, you know, what happened when the contract with Jones went down, the decision to franchise Barkley and what's next and whatnot. So Shane, who I absolutely love, by the way, I mean, he, he, he really does try to help out the media. You know, I was surprised. He actually told us that, you know, what Jones's signing bonus was and what the first year base was. I mean, in the past, GMs of the Giants wouldn't even give that detail, but he did. So I was, you know, I was very grateful for that. But um, he spoke about Dexter Lawrence and potentially moving down uh, or moving his number down. And one of the things I said about Dexter Lawrence and, and Shane reiterated it. So I was, I, you know, kind of made me feel good because I had the right answer is he spoke about potentially um, getting Dexter Lawrence's cap number, which I think is around 12 million because he's on the option year of his rookie deal. He spoke about getting that down and he made the comment that the signing bonus alone would take care of the guaranteed money because when a player is in the option year of his rookie deal, that money becomes guaranteed. So if you do rip up the deal and you, you give them an extension, you have to make sure that the first year's cash flow is equivalent to the guaranteed money that he would have gotten had he played out the option year. So Shane made that comment. I, I also asked Shane about Kenny Galladay. I said, you know, did you, now that Daniel, that domino has fallen into place and the Saquon domino was kind of in place, did you make a decision? regarding Kenny Galladay. Is he going to be a pre-June cut or a post-June cut? Shane said that no decision has been made, that they'll make it by Monday, but he seemed to indicate that they were leaning towards just ripping the bandage off or taking the medicine, as he as he put it, and just getting him off the books once and for all. Now, if he does that, 
Kenny Galladay, let's just take a look real quick at um, what they're looking at here. So I'm just going to call up over the cap here real quick. And here's the thing. So in 2024, the Giants, I believe, have some dead money um, because they, they have guys that they pushed, you know, they had a restructure last year. And I think Shane said they have about $8 million in dead money already on the books for 2024 because of the restructures they had to do and the voidable years they had to add. All right, so let's just take a look at the, uh, the cap situation for a second here. In 2023, the Giants already have $8 million in dead money on their books. That includes $4.245 million from Sterling Shepard's contract, which voided. And $3.668 million from the Kadarius Tony trade. Because Kadarius Tony was a post-June 1st transaction traded at the deadline last year. So with Kenny Galladay, if they make him a pre-June 1st cut, they will absorb $14.7 million in dead money, only get a savings of $6.7 million, um, which is not a bad amount. Um, now, if they make him a post-June 1st cut, the numbers kind of flip a little bit. The savings becomes 13.5, the dead money becomes 7.9, and then 6.8 gets dumped into the dead money ledger for 2024. So to me, it sounded like Shane was thinking about just ripping the bandage off, just get it over with, start 2024 with as clean as possible in, in terms of dead money. Now there will be dead money added to, to 2024 because, you know, if, if draft picks get cut or, you know, dip, you know, there's transactions, there's always going to be, you know, um, dead money that gets trickled into the following year. The idea is to keep that low. So, you know, basically the cap cleanup for the giants, quite honestly, we knew it was going to be a two-year deal started last year. It's continuing this year. You don't want to have a ton of dead money, but they might not just have a choice with Kenny Galladay. So Shane said they would make that decision by Monday, which of course is the first day of the legal tampering period. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what he comes up with as far as a the decision there. I think it's going to be a pre-June 1st cut. You know, initially I thought he would go post-June 1st. And I did ask him, I, I said, you know, this is the advantage, you know, like I had to tell him what the advantage is. He knows what the advantage is. But in my question, I said, you know, um, the advantage is you're going to have a whole lot more and you're going to be able to extend guys if you want to win season, which can kind of help your cap. Um, you know, what's the decision? So they've got to weigh that out. They've got to look at, okay, who do we want to extend? And I think maybe a few more dominoes have to fall into place before they make that decision. You know, maybe see what they can get with back from Leonard Williams. If they, if they plan on, you know, redoing his number, see what happens with Dexter Lawrence. As they go through the year, they can maybe think about, you know, Xavier McKinney, who will be in the final year of his contract and uh, Andrew Thomas, who will be in year four, but whose um, option year is going to definitely be picked up. So a lot of decisions still to be made by the Giants, but uh, I think Kenny Galladay will probably be a pre-June cut, pre-June first cut, I should say. So a lot of cap stuff, like I said, again, check out the articles that I linked to the bottom, you know, in the show notes, if you need more reference or, or information, it'll probably make a little bit more sense for you. So 
All right. Coming up next, I have some listener questions that I want to get to. So don't go anywhere. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. And uh, before I get to some of the listener questions here, just real quick on tomorrow's program, I'm going to have Sam Monson, uh, pro football focus on the program. We're going to talk about um, contracts. We're going to talk about free agent fits for the Giants, draft fits for the Giants, all kinds of stuff. So Sam Monson is going to be my guest. Next week, I should have Mike Golick on uh, the program. I think that's going to be my Monday show, but I'm not sure. It's going to depend on really what happens in the first few days of free agency since free agency is starting next week. So um, Mike Golick is somebody who uh, I'm going to be looking to get on and uh, just going to keep bringing you content five days a week because the NFL never sleeps. So neither do we at the Locked on Giants podcast. So hope you will tune in. And of course, next week, we're also talking about having Locked on Giants live. I know a lot of you like Locked on Giants live. So hopefully next week we can get both Tana and Bad Dog on. Bad Dog had a miss last night's show because he had to work. Yeah, I know. But Tana and I held down the fort as best as we could. So if you haven't checked out that show, check it out. That was a fun show. And we threw a lot of information out there. So if you have time to check that out, please do. All right, let's answer a few listener questions here. Jeff N asks me, now that Saquon Barkley has been tagged, if they don't work out a deal, how likely is it that he holds out? What are the chances of a tag and trade? Okay, Jeff, to answer your first question, I don't think Barkley's going to miss the season. Could he potentially skip the OTAs? Could see that. Could he potentially skip part of, or not all of training camp? Possibly. But here's what I would say to that. I mean, Saquon Barkley, when he was injured, he spoke about missing being out there with his brothers in football. So I think it would be kind of, you know, I don't know if hypocritical is the right word here, but if now he's purposely staying away when he can physically be there, it kind of goes against what he's been saying all along. So I don't think he would hold out. I mean, you know, obviously there's a risk playing on the, on the tag. Um, he is guaranteed the money regardless of what happens. But, uh, but yeah, I think at some point, you know, the Giants don't seem to want to budge from the offer they put on the table, which I believe averages out to about $13.5 million per year. So right now, Barkley's decision not to take the, uh, the contract kind of is costing them money. So, um, and that's, that's really, you know, his own doing there. So what about the chances of a tag and trade? I suppose there's a, there's a, a, a chance of that happening. I, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but Barkley would have to sign the tag for it to happen. So the, the Giants just can't say, okay, you've got the tag and, oh, you know, on draft weekend, we're going we're gonna to trade you because we've got this great offer. Not if he hasn't signed the tag, they're not. So, um, so that's pretty much uh, where that stands. So thanks for the question, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, we've got a question from Lee. P who asks, I would like to know how agents for NFL players are compensated for their efforts. All right, Lee, 
The answer is um, they are allowed to charge up to 3% of the total value of the contract. So some agents will take less. Some of the bigger agencies will take more. Um, but I believe the total is 3%. That's been regulated by the NFLPA. Now, I don't know if agents charge per year or if they just take the entire amount up front. I guess, I, again, I think that varies according to agency, but the magic number is 3%. So um, that was a kind of an easy question uh, for me to answer. So thanks for that question, Lee. Appreciate it. And let me see. I think, is that all I have with questions? I think I have one more, just so let me just take a look real quick. Yes. Okay. One more. And this one came in via Twitter from uh, Pete M. And he asks, does tagging Barkley now de-insensitize him knowing Giants have leverage and no team will give up two first round for him? I would hope not, Pete. I really would. I mean, if if he gets down because he's got the tag, then goodness, what are we doing here? I mean, where's the competitive spirit? If if it were me and I got tagged for less than you know what I felt I was worth, I'd be ticked off and I'd be determined to, to show that I was worth what I was asking for. If I'm Saquon, I say, you know what? I'll show you. And I come out and I have a better season. I come into camp in great shape, even better shape than I was last year. And I just light it up. It's that simple. You know, sulking, what's that going to accomplish? Nothing. So that being said, everybody, that covers all the questions. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Lachlan Giants podcast. Again, I hope the salary cap stuff made some sense. Do check out the articles that I've linked in the show notes. I think some of that will help serve as a supplemental material to make some sense out of what I've discussed here. Folks, tune in tomorrow. Sam Monsone of Pro Football Focus will be the guest. We'll see you then.